Well, a warm welcome to Extra Time here on City Talk 105.9 with me, Nick Smith. And I'm delighted to say I'm joined in the studio by football agent Neil Sang. Hello, Neil Sang. How are we, Nick? <laughs> You're right, thank you. Good. I seem to have caught you a bit off guard there. You all I right? Was just, I was just opening my paper to the uh, all the footy results, the <laughs> tables, all my info. So we uh, we know we get a few dodgy tweets if we're factually incorrect. So I was just I was just opening my paper. And uh, ex-pro and former Everton youngster Mark Quayle also joins me in the studio. How are you, Mark? Very well, Nick. Thank you. I'm just saying, your mic seems a little bit quiet there. I'm just going to boost you up just a little bit. If not, you might have to scooch over to Sangi for a little bit of sharing, if you fellas are all right. Better? Possibly, possibly, if you could just link it around a little bit. There we go. Yeah, you fellas are all right sharing, aren't you? <laughs> just the mic. We'll see. I'll take a quick look in a minute. Anyway, but um, I think there's one obvious place to start this evening, and that is with Mr. Andre Vias Boas. Um, Spurs sacked him earlier today. They've lost five league games so far this season, uh, five points off the top four, uh, still in the Europa League and contending for domestic cups as well. Fellas, first of all, the right decision or not? No, not for me. Very harsh. Um, a hundred million pounds worth of talent's been brought in, Nick, and we all know it takes ages to get it to, to gel. You know, it, it, when I say age, it can take a season or more. Um, and Villas Boas is a young man. He's 36, 37 years of age, maybe not even that, mid-30s, and he's got his a, a monstrous career ahead of him. It just took, it, it, just, it sometimes just takes a little bit of time for, for a manager's ideas and, and ways to sort of bed in. Um, he's got that little bit of arrogance. I think that can sometimes rub players up the wrong way. He's quite outspoken, which again can rub boards of directors up the wrong way. But every great manager will be... You know, if you look back at, say, the likes of an Alex Ferguson, Alex Ferguson had a dodgy start, and then guess what? He got it right. He was given time. In the days when managers were given a little bit more time than these days, he got it right. Howard Kendall was, was maybe a game or two from the sack, allegedly. I think I remember years ago, Adrian Heath scored a goal at Oxford United in a cup game. Quayley, you might know better than me. And, mm. and that saved his job. And look what Howard Kendall went on to do for the Blues in the in the 80s. You, you know, it's... I think that every situation needs to be looked at in its own Definitely. environment. I think what we're not seeing possibly is all the messages or all the information that's coming out of Tottenham, whether there's a, a discontented camp there. Mm. Um, the pressures these days that are on managers, I would argue, are far greater. Um, we, I think everyone's in, in agreement that David Moyes will not get the time that Alex Ferguson was allowed mm. you know, when he took over in the 80s, sort of three years without any success. So, you know, it's a lot hard, a lot more competitive and I think for me, I think that there's more to it, I think he's also got the track record where he failed at Chelsea so he's had two big you know, bites at the cherry so to speak and bringing in the, the half dozen or so players big transfer fees that he was allowed to do so when he got rid of Bale and it just hasn't knitted, there's a lot to ask to do that though, they, they mm. took one player out who was a big player mm. and they've brought in you know, like you say, half a dozen and they've tried to fit in and it, it, it's I think it'd been nigh on impossible for that to happen now uh, you mentioned there about the loss of Bale and signings that haven't really seemed to have clicked for them now I'm really wondering how the dynamic at Spurs really seems to work at the top there because Vias Boas of course he's the head coach he's got Baldini as the footballing director there a very sort of European style of structure and you wonder how many of those signings were his and how many were Baldini's was the Bale decision his or Baldini's or someone else's is it really 
that's an area where you could have a lot of sympathy mm. for him if that if it turns out that, to be the case that he doesn't sign them or he didn't want to sign certain players or he wasn't really consulted on it then that's obviously you know unfortunate for him but when we're sort of looking at the way they performed yesterday and it's his job to get the team out to perform and they certainly you know they did not perform i mean all credit to Liverpool. and we'll, we'll, we'll obviously we'll touch on that and, and go into more detail but looking from a neutral point of view as far as i am as an evertonian Tottenham were absolutely terrible the worst I've ever seen them I think mm, definitely I think Levy has a lot to do with it as well doesn't he I think he likes to have a little dabble I know he's, mm. he's quite influential in terms of signings I think regarding the bail one you, you mentioned Nick I think that was absolutely a, a, a player decision Real Madrid come in for you and want to make you the most expensive player on the planet at this point in time you've got to go I mean, if they're paying odds of 100 million euros or whatever, I deny any club bar Real Madrid that's going to turn that down. Yeah, listen, 100%. I don't, and, I, I don't think that's the issue. I think the, the issue was, like, I think at certain points, Bale sort of dug his heels in to, to make the move mm. go through. I think Phil Asboas initially wanted to keep Bale. Well, you would. So, exactly so. You would. But, well, that's what I said. I was going to say, I think it's a player decision and a chairman decision. But the issue is, is what happens when he goes. I mean, earlier on in the season, Andros Townsend was in fine form, looking like they weren't going to miss. Baylor as he was and then he's swapping it round he's, he's playing mm. players players can't seem to get a run they can't get any form and that's obviously led to uh, a, a drop in form and there's a bit of dis- you know when you look at Tottenham they're disjointed that's the way you, you describe them really so mm. um, but it, you know at Baldini if he's signed mm. players let's just say he's signed six players surely as a manager these days you've got to be saying to a chairman when you're sitting there f- f- doing your interview and you're telling the board or if the board identify you and they're saying this is what we expect of you they've surely got to say to him we, we're going to bring in Franco Baldini he's going to be the director of football and by the way you don't really have a say on who comes in as a player um, he's going to decide uh, on, our ta- on our transfer targets I can't for the life of me think why a manager would accept that situation because he lives and his reputation is now on the line. If they turn around and say Villas Boas is there to coach, mm. he's there to motivate, he's there to mentor, he's there to to, to pick a, a formation, mm. but it's firmly and squarely on Franco Baldini's shoulders and my shoulders as chairman to select personnel. Mm. That's different, but that hasn't happened as far as I'm aware, Nick. So it's all on Villas Boas' shoulders. So I feel sorry for him um, there if that's the case. And of course, the way contracts work. They'll be giving him his payoff, and they will be, will be insistent on him signing a confidentiality agreement. So we'll never ever know. Tottenham fans will never ever know whether that was actually the case when he wasn't selecting players. So it's it's going to be clouded in mystery for forever. That one. But when you look at if you look at a situation like that, if you bring in. If you've got all the money in the world, and a lot of these clubs have done it, where they bring in extra players, and so they've got two or three forwards to to, to pick from. Mm. It works well if you've got, you know, throughout the long season, it, it can work well if you've got injuries or someone drops out of form. But I think sometimes you can be spoiled for choice, and 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 that really led to Tottenham really losing a bit of um, bit of focus. Really, mm. I, I think it. I think that's been the, the downfall. Villas Boas with the continental background he's been used to working with say a director of football I think Chelsea have mm. Arneson's uh, so he, he, that wouldn't have been a new situation for him I just don't think that he needed to strengthen in the areas where they went out and spent you know all the money that they did I'll just run these stats past you actually as well to see if you if you think they might have been a little bit harsh on him um, his win ratio at Spurs according to Opta 53.7% which is better than Harry Redknapp on 43.9 Martin Yol on 41 
uh, Glenn Hoddle as well, who's been one of the names, along with Redknapp, who've been put forward as a potential successor to AVB, only uh, around 36% as well. Wow. So I'm not sure why Spurs fans having such fond memories of, <laughs> of Glenn Hoddle, um, which maybe suggests that he wasn't sacked just for results alone. Has there been possibly something else that has gone on? Maybe some comments he's made or something which might have... You know, force someone's hand. Shush, well, surely, you, you know, if you're the chairman, it's, you'd wrap him on the knuckles for a dodgy comment, mm. surely. Or, you, you know, you'd, you'd say to him behind the scenes if things weren't going well, you know, pack that in. Now, here's the thing, and here's the thing that, 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 that again mystifies me. When a manager comes, if a new manager comes in now, he's got to then motivate all those signings that were Villas-Boas because if ever as a manager you're going to get the, you know the, the the best attention of, of players it's going to be players you've signed and brought to the club unless you're ridiculously poor with them so to, to allow him to bring in 100 million quid's worth of players then replace him you know with what appears to me to be a really good record is mind-boggling, Nick. And, and, and you know, managers get stick, don't they? Chairman should mm. get more stick because that, it just on the face of it and, and given the, the things I've just said there regarding the players, it seems madness. If you took uh, the Man City performance where they were beaten 6-0 in isolation and you possibly took yesterday, if that was an isolated result and performance, mm. I don't think this would be the situation now because I'm looking at the league position they're not a million miles away they're just they're, they're, they're moving along okay in Europe mm, so it's, they're going it's five right points it, they're, going, they're going relatively well I think what happened is the Manchester City result was not so long ago and then you've got Liverpool yesterday doing what they did to them and Liverpool were outstanding but that's come on the back of uh, you know the recent Man City and they sort of looked like they'd steadied the ship you've got to draw it home to United a couple of away wins of Fulham and Sunderland but it wasn't enough and you saw that that was that was abysmal yesterday the performance and mm. it was abject and I think that that was in the mind of the chairman he's took in fairness to him he, like, unlike West Brom he didn't do it sort of immediately after the game he's took a, an evening to sort of sleep on it but he's come out mm. today and they've, they've agreed to, uh, to part their ways so possibly I think you know that they could regret that um, in the future because looking at where they are in the league I'm going to talk possible successes now as well um, we've mentioned former bosses Harry Redknapp and Glenn Hoddle as well I think especially Redknapp may be striking some fond memories with, with certain Spurs fans Michael Loudrup as well another uh, person named now to me he seems very much like a Spurs boss in the kind of way that the attractive style of football he's a continental name someone Spurs fans would probably appreciate coming to their club I'd say he's an, he's an up and coming manager a situation a bit like where Everton have gone for Martinez that would strike a chord mm. with, with Tottenham mm. to, to instill, instill a philosophy I think that would be a good appointment if you touched on Redknapp I think we just talked about are there ulterior or are there alternative motives for getting rid of Villas Boas that was the question when Redknapp went you know he he'd he took the club forward. He, he got mm. us on the verge of Champions League. He was consistent. The players liked him. The, the fans liked him. Yet they got rid of him. So I don't think they'll go back down that route. No, you I know, don't. Completely disregard that one, in my opinion. Um, and I think Loudrup will, will, will come on strong for me on this one. Glenn Hoddle coming out from the cold, Sangin? Surely not, Nick. Surely not. I mean, he's again, he's, he's managed at top level before. I don't think he's ever really done it. His reputation's not brilliant in, in the in the game. It's, or, you know, when you speak to uh, players, when you, I've read tons of books over the years and, and when a Glenn Hoddle's been mentioned, players have always said it's always about him. 
You know, he, he turns up, he puts his boots on and training, joins in the five-a-side, shows players how to, how to <laughs> ping it. I mean, listen, to, in fair, fairness to him, he had one of the best pings on the planet. I, <laughs> I thought he, his, his long-range passing was sensational. His technique was unbelievable. But he's too quick to dive in and show already world-class players how great he used to be. Not None of that for me. That's That, to me, is real old school. So I can't see it being a hoddle. Loudrup's the outstanding favourite, unless they go to one of the merry-go-round of European managers available now, which, uh, which again... Again, I, I, I can't see that. Loudrup, as I said, if, if, if I was a better man, I'd be throwing my money on him. My worry would be Hoddle's been out of the game quite a while. I know he's sure. still involved. I know he's, he's watching it. He's learning what people are doing these days. But if you re- if you rewind the clock, Hoddle was a little bit like a Loudrup, wasn't he? He was a little bit mm. of a visionary. He had his, mm. he had his opportunity to stamp <sighs> a different look on the game, and and it didn't work for him. He tried it at Spurs. He was he was doing it before he got the England job, and, and he's at Swindon and he, as well. He, he had Swindon well. playing he was, a good brand was, of football. He was clearly, doing something that was new, sort of new ideas. It was fresh, um, and then he obviously had his time at Southampton and Wolves. So I don't think he'll. They'll look at that myself. No, yeah. no. Now, although he has, he spent time working with academies and such. He's been out in Spain. He's kind of. Um, learnt his trade again almost as it were but do you think he's sort of been consigned to punditry really and that's where he'll, he'll stay I think so yeah 100% well, um, we'll take a short break now, but of course we've got plenty to talk about. We've not even touched on uh, big wins for Everton and, of course, Liverpool, what seemed to be the nail in Vias Boas's coffin at the weekend. And um, we've got a little Champions League and Europa League draw to discuss as well, and certain teams will feel hard done by, others not so hard done by, so don't go away. This is Extra Time on City Talk 105.9. Welcome back to Extra Time here on City Talk 105.9 with me, Nick Smith, joined in the studio by Neil Sang and Mark Quayle. Remember, if you do want to get in touch tonight, you can always tweet us at City Talk 105.9. Give us your views on uh, any pressing issue in football at the moment. Of course, we've been talking AVB in the first part of the show. We've not even got on to Everton and Liverpool yet, so I think we'd better dedicate some time just here. I'll s- <laughs> well, I'll start because um, Lowy. Has, uh, has left us this evening. He's not been able to come in for whatever reason or such. So I think we'll do Everton first and then the Reds because obviously Mark Quayle has come in very kindly. Yeah. And um, oh, Just on Lowy though, Nick. It's, there's maybe a bit of a trend building up here. There's been two defeats on the run yes. and he hasn't shown. <laughs> so I need to throw it out there and wonder if there's a trend coming. So if they win on Friday against Gillingham, will he be in on Monday? So, Lowy, if you're there, son, listen, good or bad, you get yourself in here. Hey, <laughs> the if listeners he, need you, son. If he scores a hat-trick, he'll be waxing lyrical. <laughs> Fe- Fe- oh, Fe- come Fe- on, Lowy, we love you and Fe- we miss you, Fe- kid. Fe- 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 I'm not coming in, so I'll see you, <laughs> I'll yeah. see you every week from yeah. now till the end of the but, season. But I'll tell you what, it's it's only happened uh, once in the league so far. I'll so. see you every week. Oh, anyway, well, well, we'll start on the uh, on the Fulham results as well. Now, I, I don't, I, you know, just from my personal perspective, I don't think it was the greatest Everton performance in the world but no. a 4-1 win against Fulham you know you can't really ask for too much more can you? No I think uh, the, the previous two games were of such a big nature as well that there was bound to be some possible lull uh, even if it was just from the mental fatigue which Martinez touched on that, that the, the players will have put in the whole squad will have put into that and even the fans if, if we're completely honest you know sometimes fans looking around they're going to get up for the obviously they were both away from home but Arsenal away, Man United away, the fans are really up. The, the hairs on the back of your neck stand up and then, you know, you, you sort of get Fulham coming into town and you'd have a more of a relaxed approach to it, or you can do. And Everton started well. I thought the first half they played, they were quite sharp again. They looked they looked good. They were counter-attacking quickly the, the, and they were shifting the ball really quickly. Got the goal, 1-0 up, and you were looking forward to 
what was looking like a thrashing in the second half. And in fairness to Fulham, they kept the ball well, they played well, they would, their shape was good when they had it, and gave Everton problems. You know, Everton would find it difficult to win the ball back. When they did have it, they weren't passing as well as they did in the first half. So there was that worry, especially. You know, you could argue whether the penalty was a penalty or not. I think outside the box, the, them free kicks get given. You don't sort of ask a question. But inside the box, I've looked at the replay. And I don't know. I think he gets the ball. He does go, you know, sort of between his legs. So fair enough. He, you know, and one-one, you're thinking, oh no, is this this the end of a great run? And we're now going to start hitting a bit of a lull. And you know what? Everton kicked on again. They got the goals and they were they were incisive. So I think to win four-one, not playing the greatest. You know, you'd have took two-one, but. A little bit of icing on the cake there it shows you that Everton and the fullbacks getting on the score sheets again through Coleman. That that's it just indicates what an attacking force they can be. And now Leon Osman getting that breakthrough goal, of course, mm. as well coming in for uh, for James McCarthy suspended. Um, Roberto Martinez was quite adamant that he he doesn't consider him as a squad player, just a replacement. And um, uh, but I think Ozzy has found him sort of being thrown around that midfield a little bit since Martinez has come in. As has he sort of found himself really fighting to try and get into that starting five? I guess is how they seem to play in that midfield at the moment. I think it, it's a, an indication of the difficulty that players are going to face now because the, the squad's getting better. You know, you've brought in the player there in McCarthy. You brought in Barry who who were going to compete for your place. The, the beauty for Leon Osman is he can fit in pretty much anywhere. He's such a clever footballer. His touch is great. His visions is is up there with anybody's really. So he can fit in anywhere. I think in fairness, Everton missed part of James McCarthy's game on Saturday. That that maybe would have you know annulled Fulham from from keeping the ball as they were. But they benefited from having Leon in in there as well. I think on Saturday. Barkley, you know, Ross Barkley sort of struggled to to have the impact going forward as much as he did in the previous uh, you know, the Arsenal match, mm. possibly because McCarthy wasn't there. But you know, Leon Osman took took a took a, a bit of responsibility. Obviously, finished his goal. You couldn't expect that from him, really. You know, he's got that ability shifted onto his left foot to care like that. He's got great skill, got, got good ability. So. De La Fea was. I was going to go on to De La Fea yeah. as well. He might be out for a few weeks with. Um, I think it was a really hamstring injury. He's been. He's been a revelation, hasn't he? And he's showed in, in in sort of little bursts what he's all about. That he's 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 such a talent. And when he went down, obviously seeing the stretcher come on, you you were worried. And the initial comments that were coming out was, or we'll see him in the third, the last, the final third of the season. So that had had me worried. And then today it's been a bonus to see that. He's going to be back possibly within a few weeks. So you've got to treat these hamstring injuries very delicately. You've got to make sure they get to the root of the cause. Sometimes it can be a core stability problem with the muscles and stuff. So if they get that right, and hopefully have them back for uh, just after Christmas, maybe. Now, just speaking of injuries as well... Um I don't think too much has been mentioned about the fact that um, Leighton Baines is still out. He's still he's still on the sidelines, and I'm just trying to think. Everton are could be completely fine without him. It's it's. I mean, it's been mentioned in the last few weeks, of course, with the win over United, the draw with Arsenal, and still they've they've not. Um, the only points they've dropped were in the Arsenal game, when you can't really take that away from them. Well, it looks like what Martinez is instilling is some kind of format, if you like, some kind of a system where it, it doesn't rely so much on the individual quality of the personnel. I mean, not that Alviedo's a bad player, but obviously we all rate Baines as, as the best left-back in England, uh, in the country, so to speak. So if you're going to lose Leighton Baines, you're worried, will you be able to maintain that attacking threat that he had? And, and Alviedo was one as, as sort of slipped in there. And then you obviously got James McCarthy, who's been pulling up trees for me the last few weeks, United and, and Arsenal, mm. getting there in the midfield, dominating, having a presence. Now, you're playing Fulham at home, we aren't as strong, but you're thinking, well, are we going to miss him? Part of it we did. 
but we've, we've coped without it. And I think it's down to how we set the strip, the structure up. You know, whether the, the training sessions are all based around how Everton want to attack and how they want to be with the ball. So it helps. So people coming in, you know, they, they sort of fit into that that mould, and then they know what everyone wants wants from that position. Well, here's one bit of info which might show just how much he was relied upon in the uh, last season under Moyes compared to how he's relied upon under Martinez. Um, I think he was in the top 10 list of assist providers in Europe last season, for the whole of last season. Mm. He's below the top 40 now, considering this season as well. I know he's been out for the last few games, but uh, the likes of Morelas, even Gareth Barry... Um, and Oviedo, I think, are actually ahead of him mm. in the uh, j- just in Everton in terms of assist providers. So it just shows that whereas it, 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 under Moyes, it almost seems that a team was built around a left mm. back and what he could deliver. Yeah. With Martinez, he just, as you were saying, he wants it from all over the pitch. He wants plays to come from everywhere. Yeah, I, th- I don't. I think even from Leighton Baines' point of view, he, he will not be interested in that statistic. If I can yeah. get out, what whatsoever. I think he'd more, much rather be part of a team and a squad that can win games in in different ways. And obviously, with, with the quality of the players that they've got there in the positions that Martinez is putting them or and sorry, the structure how he's arranging them through the through the, obviously through the training sessions and how he's, he's getting his positivity across to them then you know you can see it from Everton's results you can see it from their resilience as well they've carried the resilience under Moyes which is what you'd, you'd sort of say is a Moyes trait in any of the teams he picks mm-hmm. or the, the teams he sort of did over the years for Everton but Martinez has built on that they're, they're hard to beat as well and they're, they're pretty flamboyant now going forward from all areas Well it's good you know I've, I've said last week that the, the way the fullbacks attacked against Arsenal is is indicative of Martinez's style. So to get Coleman on the score sheet this week, Oviedo, mm. you know, the week before, all that sort of stuff's going on now, and that to me is refreshing. That's what I think. I think Evertonians uh, have sort of been starved a little bit of it. You know, let's let's not forget it was the School of Science, and then it went to the Dogs of War, and the School of Science was quickly forgotten. But that was what Everton was was founded on: pure passing football, mm. flair, mm. ability, attacking prowess. It wasn't built on lumping people up and down the pitch and, and, and heading people into row F. It was built on ability. That's what this city's been built on. We've, we've, we've produced great talent, not just hard lads, great talent. Mm. So to see it sort of reverting back to type is really refreshing for me. And I think Martez Quayley said he's brought that structure, he's brought in uh, you know, a style of players, he said, and this is the, thing, the point I was going to make, and it's interesting you said about Baines. Oviedo goes into Baines' shoes and has a role. Now, uh, you know, it's similar with John Flanagan at Liverpool at the moment. There's small margins, Nick, in terms of will with Leighton Baines playing 36, 38 games in this season, would that put Everton as Champions League qualifiers? Or, or, or you know, with an Oviedo playing 36, 38, does that now mean they're not? I, I'd, I'd argue with Oviedo or Baines, Everton will still be a really good side. A tad better than with Baines, obviously, mm. but but enough to to cost you the Champions League place. I don't think so. I, I think, think as a, do you see what I'm trying to say? As a team, as a squad, as a unit, it, he's not going to be. He's not going to cost you your points. So I think in terms of squad depth, with an Oviedo there, I think Everton are now sitting pretty. Mm. That if Baines goes, arguably our best player, he fits in and he's not going to really hurt us. I think you've got to try and find those those other players all over the pitch that will be the same, that aren't going to cost you 15 million quid in transfer and, and 60, 80 grand a week, that are affordable. That will do a fantastic job for you. I think overall it's, it's nice to, to, to be a fan of a club that's got 
some kind of ethos being built there, you know, rather than just, oh, we can go out and buy the best school place. of science, let's have it back, yeah, yeah, I'm, you not know? To, <laughs> I'm not trying to deny that you need a bit of money these days to, to certainly to, to compete, because obviously Everton have, have done that over the years, they've built, and, and they went out and spent 30 million on James James McCarthy, so there's a certain standard that needs to be, mm. to be bought in, but with, with that, you're looking at playing the likes of your Spurs and your, your cities who are going out and buying 30 million pound players, and, and I don't think that that difference exists I don't think there there's a go. Dublin in quality exactly. even though there's a Dublin in the transfer exactly. and I'd like to see well I'm sure it will that Martinez continues with the vein of, of the ideas that he's putting mm. forward mm. and, and in, sort of imprinting on them how he wants them to play the game it's, it's, it's it really is it, I can't really get it out there enough or describe how, how good it feels right now to be a fan of Everton now we've made Liverpool fans wait over half an hour to uh, before we've talked about <laughs> the, uh, the the five nil thrashing yesterday, so so let's get right into it now. I think one of the main talking points of this was Brendan Rodgers comes out in his post match interview and he still he dismisses title talk. Still, he he just wants to say well, we're still aiming for the top four. That's our aim. That's our goal this season. But surely now, when they're picking up that sort of result, I know they've got some difficult fixtures coming up now. But can he not sort of say at least that we could be up there at the end of the season? We could still be in contention. See, I, you know, I don't know what Liverpool fans would want to hear, uh, if I'm honest. I, I'm sort of torn. Do you want to hear your manager, you know, talking about titles and stuff like that? Or do you want to hear him saying, you know, we're going in the right direction and we'll keep trying every single game to do you, to, to do our fans proud? Uh, I'm I'm torn with that one. What I do know is this. Um, it, it, Liverpool's performance was, was fantastic against Tottenham, but, but it was a little bit... Dour and poor, if I may. It was it was totally the flip side against Arsenal, who were also in that top four. But 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 the confidence factor is, is built off. If you can do that to what would appear to be a, I'm not going to say a top four team, Tottenham, a but top a four chance, yeah, a yeah. top four challenger maybe. If you can do that to them. That's mega. Now you could look at an Arsenal who are in great form, what they did to, to Liverpool at the Emirates. Then you've got to go, well, OK, th- now you can sort of understand why Brendan Rodgers doesn't talk about titles. I'd like to also think, though, that somewhere in the background, the way Liverpool's way, again, let's try and revert to type here, Liverpool's way has always been to, been to do things quietly, to do things ultra-efficiently, um, with a real class. Uh, and, and that's what I think Brendan Rodgers is certainly bringing back. He understands the history of the club, and I think that that's where, where he's sort of reverting back to. And, and I think if you, if you look back at the Shankleys, the Paisleys, and the great managers before him, they would have done something similar. I think I don't think they'd have started crying. Oh, we're in there. We're going to win the league. We've got a great chance. You know, it's got a chance. No, they'd have gone game by game with class, with dignity, with respect, you know, and 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 with with sheer sheer workmanlike performances coupled with ability. They would always pick results up. And Rodgers has got a little bit of that about him. So I'd say fair play to him. It's an interesting situation to be in. You wonder at what point a team who are who do have designs because you know within that dressing room, you know, all Premier League footballs are winners, mm. but deep mm. down collectively do they all believe that they can win the title and I'm pretty sure that there must be coming a point where the manager will privately be saying listen this is this is an opportunity we may not get another opportunity as good as this I think at the moment it's it's getting to the halfway point of the season um, and it's such a roller coaster that you know it was only a couple of weeks ago that 
friends of mine as, as Liverpool fans were, were kind of really depressed getting beat away to Hull so you know you could only be a couple of weeks away from that scenario so what you do is you let other people talk about titles and who's and I think to be fair to Rodgers he's shown you know the right the right angle on that really he doesn't want to get overexcised he doesn't want to make statements that could come back and cuss the pie in the face so to speak and uh, yeah. you know I think he'll he'll quietly be just Delighted with the way well, you're right. along. the media are, are always happy. Oh, quite say, want, oh you've said this, Brendan, yeah, and yeah, that. Yeah. Look yeah. what happened, and yeah. blah blah. And then all of a sudden, he, he he'll become yeah. a little bit of a laughing stock. Whereas, as I say, if he goes <laughs> along quietly, assured, um, he's you know he'll he'll get in the top four. And you know what? He may just finish top of the top four. Who knows? For me, it's Man City all day. You look at the squad; they're a juggernaut. They've got. I mean, quality, strength, and depth. They've got size, pace, power, every single thing going for them. And their home form is just unbelievable. Um, uh, for as, me, good as, as good as yesterday was for Liverpool, it's good that he's showing signs of not getting carried away and just quietly go about your business and if it, if they maintain it and you need to start bringing in mind games to try to unsettle the opposition which I think is always going to backfire potentially especially mm. you know, teams like Man City now have players who are experienced at winning titles in, yeah. in other leagues and that Liverpool maybe don't have as many as, as them or, or Everton for that matter so when it comes to maybe the last 10-15 games you're looking to to take that pressure away to, you know, no one no one can handle pressure mm. it's about mm. who doesn't have any pressure on them and, and you have to take the pressure away for the, for the running and, uh, and so that you can focus on your game otherwise it'll all go to pot just to mention a Luis Suarez as well. Now, of course, he wasn't the only player on the score sheet yesterday, but uh, very much the linchpin, the creator in that side. And I think if, um, I mean, obviously Liverpool fans will be adoring what he's doing at the moment, but I think for the neutral and the ones looking in, they're, they're seeing that Luis Suarez that everyone wants to see. It's he, This season, despite everything that happened in the summer and, and actually before the summer, he's he's kept his head down and he's just been doing what he does best. And, uh, and it's an actual joy to watch. I think for any neutral watching that team and seeing what he can do, you know, it's it's an absolute pleasure. Couldn't agree more, Nick. I couldn't agree more on that. You know, at the end of the day, that's what he's paid to do. Mm. He's not he's not paid to sit in the stand with a ban. <laughs> he's he's, he's no. paid to do exactly that. And and, and uh, there was all talk. I mean, and, the, and this is the interesting thing for me is when he first came in, um, his first sort of six months, people were saying, oh, he can't finish. And, you know, I was one of those, I actually said, he didn't look like a natural finisher. He didn't look like an Ian Rush, a Robbie Fowler type. He looked like he struggled. It was a little bit forced. But again, same old, same old. Give somebody time to grow and develop. And they'll reveal what they're all about. And he's revealed it in bucket loads that he's just something unique. And whilst he's in the Premier League and, and whilst he's in a red shirt, I think you've just got to enjoy him, embrace him, warts and all. And and I think that's what Liverpool fans have done and just hope upon hope that Liverpool stay in that Champions League spot and that he stays because he's just been absolutely incredible for me. I think he just gets that many chances nowadays that, I mean, I don't know what his ratio is, but he's getting more and more chances sort of as the year, seasons come by. Um, sometimes players come in, they do well initially, and, mm. and then sometimes defenders work them out. Second season uh, woes sometimes, With Suarez, yeah. Suarez he just, he's, he's getting just, better. He's getting better. It, it gets mm. harder to work him out. Yeah. It gets tougher to get tight to him. They don't know whether to go short with him or to, you know, drop off in, in case he's going to run behind. And it, it really is. It's a, it's a terrifying prospect when you're an opposition fan. I mean, interestingly enough, when uh, when he was out early in the season, Liverpool coped without him because they had Sturridge fit, but they were only winning games 1-0. Uh, now Steven Gerrard's out. Th that would be the big question for me. Going into Sunday, I was thinking, well, yeah, I, I fancy Tottenham here, I'll be honest. You know, I didn't think 
Liverpool wouldn't create chances. I think I fans would have took a draw quite think, before, well, if they're honest. I always thought Liverpool would create chances, as, you know, with having Suarez up front. Mm-hmm. But what Liverpool are doing now is, is without Suarez, uh, Sturridge, with Suarez in the team, they're not just eking games 1-0 mm-hmm. and keeping it tight. Suarez just... He, and you know what? You, for me, the biggest uh, influence Suarez has is on other players. It's it's not the fact that he plays so well and he dominates a game individually. He fires other players. You see Jordan Henderson running. You see Jordan Henderson watching Suarez, and he'll move off Suarez. He he he's fired up by Suarez. You see other players who are fired up by Suarez. You, see, you can also see the expectancy from him to other players that other players will not make that mistake what is you can see Sterling so thinking I'm going to make this pass uh, yeah. this pass has Definitely. to be right Definitely. and there's such an expectancy from him to them because his level's so high that it raises their games like when Steven Gerrard plays when Steven Gerrard plays the players around will think I've got to be on my game here because if he gives mm. me that look I've let him down because his standards are so high you get players like that in teams but I think as well I mean, even just watching Henderson yesterday you do worry when you take someone like Gerrard out of the side whether it'll have an almost vacuum effect or if players will come in and raise the responsibility and fill it and Henderson was one of those for me he, he actually you could see his game step up because he knew that they'd have to make up for that difference that um, that obviously is gone when Gerrard's taken away mm. yeah well Henderson for me as well Nick is I said this before the game to me kids who taught him watching the game and I said Jordan Henderson wants to try and get on the plane to, to Brazil next year you know, Roy Hodgson will be watching mm. that game and he was yeah he was there uh, and so you look at that and you think what an incentive Here's what I can do when our skipper's out the side. And and I think he took that on board and embraced it and was absolutely phenomenal. And and I go about what I said before about Baines and Oviedo as an example. I've heard Liverpool fans say, you can't win a Premier League or you can't sustain a Champions League um, challenge with Joe Allen and Lucas and Flanagan and, and people like that on your side, you know, Sterling. You know, we need our big hitters and all this. Well, yesterday blew that myth out the water again as a collective. Listen, on paper... There are probably better players than Joe Allen, Lucas Leiva, granted, Jordan Henderson even. But as a collective, with the influences Qualey said of Suarez, as a midfield three, they were brilliant yesterday, as good as I've seen. Passing was sharp and incisive. Joe Allen's work rate, his ability to spot a pass was phenomenal. And yesterday, he grew a little bit on me. I thought, you know what? There were signs there of why he was why he was bought. And I thought, you know, if you can just recreate that more weeks than not, you've got a chance to be in that side week in, week out. Because I thought he was... As much as Henderson was great, and for me, he was the pick of the bunch. Joe Allen wasn't far behind. And Lucas, right, he goes off. But but Joe Allen, I thought, was, was incredible as well. My, my only concern with, with talking about Henderson for England would be um, we need a bit more in terms of, of what's upstairs. For creativity, for at international level, it's you know just being a runner, which is you know in the Premier League. It's I great. agree, absolutely you, you agree with that. Forward, you, you know, I'm just support. saying he's motivated. No, I'm just saying, yeah, to, no, no. To, to, yeah, to get that's, on the plane. I'm talking about, yeah, but for 100% me, I, agree I, with that. I, you, know, you may take him, but I don't think he'll have he'll have a big impact. No. If he plays, I'll be disappointed. Maybe one of them who trains for three weeks and then go. Yeah, with a nice chance, gents. We're going to have to take another quick break now, but of course, when we come back, we've got a few Champions League draws. To discuss so uh, don't go away it's extra time here on city talk 105.9 this is extra time on city talk 105.9 Welcome back to this final part of Extra Time with me, Nick Smith, and Mark Quayle. Unfortunately, Neil Sang has had to dash off a little early for his uh, for his agent-like business, but uh, he is listening on the way, so I did say we'd give him a little bit of a shout-out on his way. That was a bit... 
disconcertingly vague for him that one. But yeah, he uh, he sort of snuck snuck out the back, hasn't he? Yeah, he, really he has. I should have I should have given him agent. I yeah. should have given him a proper goodbye, really. But uh, oh well. I thought the hug and the kiss was enough, Nick. To yeah, honest, yeah, it was. It was. It was very bromancy, <laughs> wasn't it? I've got to say. Yeah, he'll be he'll be chuckling to himself in the car on that one. He'll I guess. Still be in the lift. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. Probably wouldn't, he wouldn't have made it out the building yet. <laughs> um, just we were discussing AVB in the first part of the show, but of course there have been some other uh, managerial move arounds uh, in the last 48 hours, really. Um, Steve Clark, of course, has, has gone from West Brom, but mm. uh, in the last few hours, Gianfranco Zola has left his position as Watford manager. Now, yeah. it says he's resigned from the role, um, which sort of gives you the idea that he wasn't directly pushed. He's failed to win in uh, his last nine matches in the Championship. Now, when it sort of says a manager has resigned or left by mutual consent, I don't know whether it's me and my cynic sort of mind, and, and I thought it with Ian Holloway, I wonder whether that's really the case or whether the, the, the board have said, look, you know, we want to cut the ties, but as a face-saving way, we can present it as you know, it's a mutual decision, or or you've resigned. Rather than just just mm. come out and say, oh, you you know, you're sacked. I think with um, the certain managers, or sometimes managers come along, and, and I would class Sola as one of these. To me, he's a very honest manager. I think, and if he felt that he wasn't getting the best out of the team, or he, he couldn't really turn the situation around, because when you look at it, they, they were lucky in the playoffs at the end of last season. They got beaten the, the semi final against Leicester, uh, and then this season they've. They've sort. Oh, it was actually did they, they beat Leicester? Didn't they? Was they did they lose the final? It was the they final. Yeah, the they final. lost. Okay, yeah, so they beat. They, they were, okay, and then obviously they've um, they've had a bad run of form. And I looked at the table when I heard the news because I, I hadn't been following Watford. I must admit, but when I looked at the table, they, they are in the bottom half, although near the, the middle, and uh, and and it is a disappointing you know situation compared to last season. So I think. There would have been a, a bit of depression around the camp. There would have been a bit of uh, the expectations would have been a lot higher for this season. We've got some good players, and it just hasn't worked for them. So I can I I personally would say you know I think the board will have called them in and said look how do you feel about it? And you know when you see this mutual consent thing, mm. I, I honestly like to believe that there's been a, a frank discussion, an honest discussion, mm. and I think. Zola would be man enough to say, I, I think at the moment this is uh, it's time for a change. I think I feel like moving on. So whether it comes down to contract situations where you know we'll 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 agree to sort of say you haven't been sacked, and then you know you sort of we're both saving face, and then you agree to sort of take this severance, then maybe that's the case. I don't know, but uh, but when you talked about Holloway, there actually mentioned Holloway from Palace. That's a name that stands out for me. That would that would actually wouldn't mm. surprise me one bit if Watford turned to where Holloway. The only kind of downside for that is there's a lot of Italian influence at Watford right now, and I don't know whether that that would be Holloway's cup of tea. I don't think he's he's cultural cultured enough to, to accept that. that. <laughs> are, are you basing that purely on the accent? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, he may struggle with the uh, with ordering a, a simple coffee when mm. it's cappuccinos down there. But I think with the with with the reputation he's got in the championship for getting teams promoted he would be an ideal fit but there's possibly too much of a, of a foreign influence there and I think they they may look I think they're foreign owned now as well aren't they yeah, there's an Italian so. owner there so they may they may all have ideas of bringing another Italian coach in I think of course, although if there is one man who uh, is tasked with taking a team up from the championship to the Premier League it is Neil Warnock <laughs> well yeah he, he was he's just ruled himself not long ago to the uh, Sheffield Wednesday mm. job which was a surprise to see him ruled in with his links to Sheffield United but he he's obviously ruled himself out of that so that could be another one you know they may well and, and if, if if it was a betting man I'd say Warnock had, would have a better chance of, of embracing a different culture but but he's more sort of uh, well he appears more worldly whether yeah. that's actually true deep down I don't know 
discussing Steve Clark as well, of course, mm. uh, given the marching orders from West Bromwich Albion over the weekend. And um, that's now five Premier League managers mm. going so far this season. So, um, of course, he joins AVB, Paolo Di Canio, Martin Yall, Ian Holloway, as we were just talking about. So uh, five Premier League clubs, a quarter of Premier League clubs have now changed their managers well, since the start of the season. Since the start of the season, a quarter. And I think there's another five, isn't there, who change managers in the summer? Yeah. Including the likes of Everton and Man United. So over half this time last year there's this mm. sort of a, a rota- rotation of 10 so it, it it probably underlines the the value that's in the premier league right now the the goal of getting there and staying there the the funds that are available once you once you maintain your your status in the premier league it allows you to you know to to buy more players and improve your ground just just keep the funds flowing and it's it's so cutthroat it, it's it's a tough time but it's a tough business and you get i kind of fall a little bit 50-50 on on the opinion when it comes to second managers yes managers should be given time and we all kind of sit back and then we say we should be given time but when it's our manager when they're not performing mm. we want to change we wonder why we, we you know we question it so uh, ultimately it's a results business and I actually thought well after Saturday you saw Steve Clark being sacked I thought you know it's so soon at the end of the match is that an EJK reaction mm. but was it that the fourth defeat on the run and then you actually look back into some of those results and they'd lost the week before to Norwich at home so if you're a West Brom fan you're thinking well maybe you know well actually the, the response has been shock I think from a lot of fans but if you actually look at it it, it wasn't an EJK yeah. reaction it's four games down the line when you factor in the form at the end of last season as you mentioned if you sort of build a season around that time mm. period it really was relegation form and um, we were discussing in the office a bit of an interesting fit theory that Romelu Lukaku could have uh, so, um, effectively mm-hmm. pushed him out of that position because he was quite adamant of trying to bring him back to the Hawthorns yeah. when he got wind of Chelsea looking to try and put him out on loan again. Everton of course managed to wrangle that deal mm. and um, and it's just left them you know, with a, with a massive goal drought. That's the intrigue is you never know what the driving forces or what wheels turn to get Lukaku to come to Everton rather than go back to West Brom. Mm. I think it was possibly a personal decision by the player I've heard so We'll never know, but one thing's for sure that there was a month ago that Steve Clark was on the verge of winning at Chelsea. You know, they'd won at Man United mm. in the season and they were 2 1 up, and the referee made a poor decision to give Chelsea a penalty from which they equalised. And that's they're the small, the small differences for between success and failure and it sounds tough and it is tough that's a tough business and they get well paid for it so on, on that aspect you know from a personal level the likes of Villas Boas likes of Steve Clark they'll be well remunerated but um, from the fans it's disappointing when you're changing your manager every five minutes for, well, from Tottenham's point of view um, and it'll be interesting to see who West Brom go for We have a quick bit of time as well before the end of the show to discuss the Champions League draw I will just run through it one more time in case you haven't heard earlier today now um, the big ties Manchester City against Barcelona Arsenal face holders Bayern Munich Um, otherwise with English clubs it's Olympiacos with um, face Manchester United Galatasaray Chelsea you'd say those two clubs certainly got off a little lighter Mm. Um, Bayer Leverkusen Paris Saint-Germain AC Milan Atletico Madrid Zenit St. Petersburg against Borussia Dortmund and Schalke against Real Madrid just completing that draw Um, and we were saying this last week as well with Man City and Arsenal failing to top their groups and with that Pellegrini bizarre decision to where he seemed to kind of get his maths wrong yeah um, <laughs> well I, I, funnily enough I didn't actually see the whole game but I was it was we were sort of the, the media was making the assumption that says he was just going to go on and score a fourth and he yeah. decided not to but I, so I don't know whether that would have been the case but it was a good result for them and I think they'll take that confidence go into that Barcelona game to be honest I think uh, I think Sizi will give them a, a, a real 
tough tie and I would not be surprised if City went through. I think Arsenal will 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 get back to form for the buying game. I think they'll look at what City did and think they did they win their last season themselves, Arsenal away at uh, Bayern. But yes, they so, did. Yeah. Uh, so they've got some some encouragement there for sure. Well, they did. They won 2-0 back in March, which wasn't quite enough to get them through to the next round. Mm. Um, just looking through the others as well, I'm just trying to sort of pick any any more sort of standout ties. And I think the only one I can sort of look at with any mother excitement is AC Milan versus Atletico. But it also it almost seems like an Italian side that's a bit on the downward slope mm. with a Spanish side that is certainly on the up and almost pushing Barca and Real Madrid now mm. uh, to real sort of make it more of a top three rather than a top two in La Liga. It would be nice to, you know, from a neutral point of view, from a football purist point of view, to see Atletico maintain that. You know, I think about ten years ago, Valencia were, were a strong force, mm. and, the, and they they gave an alternative. Atletico have a great ability to to produce a centre forward. I think they obviously they, they produced. Fernando Torres, Liverpool signed him from there. They produced uh, Aguero. Mm. I think City signed him from there. And now they've got this uh, Costa. Is his, I'm not sure of his full name, but there's a guy Costa. Diego Costa. Diego Liverpool Costa. would link with with him. And he, he, you know some of the some of the highlights from from his season so far. He looks like a, a very exciting forward. So I think I'd I'd be tempted to favour. Uh, Atletico in, in this upcoming tie and uh, like you say Milan a little bit on the down would, would slide sort of in terms of how they were in the past anyway mm. um, but they've obviously got good players themselves Al Sharaway and, and Balotelli so anything can happen you know it's getting to that stage now where they're all big games all the big stars will be out there and looking to, to progress Mark Quayle we are out of time I'm afraid on extra time for City Talk this week with thanks ever so much for joining us on the show and thank you welcome to Neil Sang as well who had to dash off a yeah. little bit earlier but uh, I hope you enjoyed it and we'll see you again next week Extra time on City Talk 105.9